Are you longing for real life change and lasting impact? At more to be we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Lisa Pulliam, the founder of more to be hosting more to be podcast, and I'm here to help you think biblically and live transformed, to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. For this episode, I'm here again with Kaylee Kelch. Welcome back, Kaylee. Thank you. I feel like I have a frog in my throat this morning, but it's okay. (laughs) It's okay. I know. So uh, for all those of you who are tuning in for the first time, Kaylee and I are great, great friends who have never actually met in real life, but we have been connected through the ministry of More to Be. Kaylee came through. uh, The coach training. Coach training. And that's how we became friends. And then she came on the ministry team and has become my podcast host. And so one of the things that Kaylee and I love about this podcast is the opportunity for us to see each other over the screen. Yep. And then to talk about real life and scripture and how that applies to real life. And so today's episode is coming out of real life. Yeah, Uh, definitely. Yeah. We, so we usually kind of try to set up what a season is going to look like. So this season four is on relationships. And then we look at our, our time together and, kind of set out some topics that we want to cover. But for today's uh, topic, we didn't bother to look at the list because uh, Kaylee, you're getting ready to speak this weekend Mm -hmm. on, on this particular message. And when you were telling me about it, I was like, well, let's just turn that into a podcast episode because it's, it's good stuff. So why don't, why don't you set it up? Like what were you talking about today? Well, it's really, I've been thinking about this idea of endurance because, you know, the thing is, is that uh, we are programmed, I feel like in life that we want things to be easy, you know, and and I feel like that's happened over the last few years uh, or um, the last couple decades with fast food and microwaves and everything like started to come out of that that time period of like the forties and fifties to make life easier. And it's just like continued to snowball to where we have two days shipping from Amazon and we um, have everything at our fingertips and the internet just like skyrocketed it too. that, you know, especially thinking of high school students. um, Well, I mean, any of us really like there's a stain on your shirt. Well, let's Google it and let's figure out how to get that out. Like there's this immediate gratification and this ease of use and the whole idea, like, well, I have a project. Well, let's see what everybody else is doing on their school projects. And bam, you know, now I can do things easier because, um, I have so many resources at my fingertips. Yeah. And I feel like it like lulls us into this false sense of security and that we, it, it creeps into our relationship with Christ that we're like, okay, I'm a follower now. I want it easy. Yeah. And, and then you go further that, well, he's the God of the universe. So he has everything at his disposable disposal. So like, I mean, he can make the stars align so that my life and just, you know, becomes perfect and I don't have family issues and I have enough money and I have all these resources and my health is fine, you know, and I, and I feel like because we live in this environment where life is easy, we have these things at our, our fingertips that we want our relationship with Christ to be easy and we want our life to be easy and that when we follow him, everything is just supposed to fall into place. I know. Man, I totally agree with you. And, and I just found a really easy 
way to do life uh, a couple days ago. Okay. <laughs> I think Sorry. I'm late to the party on this one, <laughs> but um, I could go on my Target app and place an order and drive up to Target oh. into the drive-through lane and have them come out and deliver it to my car. Yeah, Walmart is doing that now. I haven't gotten onto it, but my brother does it. Like, you know, they yeah. have small boys, they go on, they order their groceries, they drive up, the car, boys don't even have to get out of the car seats, they pop the groceries in the back and they I go know. I was like, where was that when I had twins? <laughs> yeah, like, I know. <laughs> this like revolutionizes life and I actually feel guilty, like if I use it, because <laughs> I'm an abled body adult. <laughs> And then, but then there was this young boy that came running out to the car with my uh -huh. groceries. I was like, well, good for him. He's having to work a little harder. You know, like, like, I'm like, it's this tension. Right. And I don't think these things are bad, like right. make life easier. I don't think, you know, there's these modern conveniences that make us more efficient and that, you know, just become a part of our, our life. And I don't think that's bad. I think the challenge and what I was kind of sitting with, yeah. is that I'm afraid that we get disillusioned then when our, our relationship with God doesn't yeah. fall into place like we think it should, or yeah. that he doesn't answer our prayers right away. And then, so there's this sense, what do we do with that disillusionment? You know, do yeah. we, do we go through and say, okay, no, I'm sticking with it. Like, it's not just going to all magically happen the way I want it to mm -hmm. or do people like you know you watch people fall away from it or they keep God at arm's length because it's like oh well you're not coming yeah. through for me yeah and I think that's where the rub is and I think that that's what we have to be so careful of yeah oh I totally agree uh it it's as though the way our culture is set up in America at least mm -hmm. uh, and in middle-class America the easy doesn't give us the ability to grow the muscle to endure the the hard and then when it comes to our faith there is no easy button right there's no easy click well what you just said that the whole the whole idea of behind like we don't grow our muscles then you know we don't yeah. develop into this person that can hold on through the the struggle and the hardship yeah. um and as I, as I was like thinking through, and I'd heard a message a while ago by Christine Kane, and then I looked up the illustration she'd used, the story that she had shared, and I feel like it fits perfect with this, you know, this idea uh -huh. of endurance. So the guy's name is Cliff Young, and he hmm. um, is an Australian uh, potato farmer, or was. He's passed away since since this came out, but um, he grew up on a sheep farm during the Depression. So his family owned 2,000 sheep on 2,000 acres. I thought that was interesting. That was the same number. But yeah. he, because they didn't have, they were poor, they didn't have a horse and they didn't have, you know, farm equipment like a tractor. So he would be sent out to round up the sheep. And he said, especially like if there was a storm coming, like they would be sent, he would be sent out. All this acreage, it would take him sometimes two to three days, like straight to like get the sheep in. Oh my word. So now fast forward all these years, he's 61 years old and a, um, there was an ultra marathon that the shopping center had planned from the shopping center in Sydney, Australia to Melbourne. It was 544 miles and he shows up to this race. So like all these elite athletes are showing up. He shows up to this race in overalls and his work boots. Like he was the laughing stock of like the media 
and it was the first, it was the inaugural race. So this had never been oh, run I... before. The media is like making fun of him. Like athletes are coming up to him and saying like, what are you doing? Like, you're yeah. never going to finish this. And it, they're much younger than him even. Yeah, sure. And, um, he was like, and he shared the story. He was like, well, you know what? I would take care of the sheep and be running for a couple days straight. I'm pretty sure I can finish this race. So they set off and he's way in the back. Like they, you know, leave him in the dust to begin with. And yeah, they're sprint. <laughs> yeah. And he has this, they, they described it. He had this funny like shuffle that he would like kind of just go. And, um, the first night though, so like they would run for 18 hours and then sleep for six. Well, the first night, like he didn't sleep. He just kept going. And, um, he ended up running for five days straight. Like everybody would sleep at night and he kept going. So he won the race because he finally like caught up to them and passed them while they were sleeping. Oh my word. And he got, he won the got, race. He won the race, 61 Ooh. years old in his overalls and work boots. And, um, there was a prize, $10,000. And he was like, I didn't know there was money involved. In <laughs> and he was like, and I wasn't running for the money. He gave it all away. He gave it to the other contestants who came in right behind him, but oh, he beat them by hours, hours. And it, after I heard that story, it was like, oh my word. Like he had, he had trained already in a sense, you know, yeah. like yeah. he'd gone through the hard time. And that's the thing though. He didn't even probably look at it as hard. It was that was just normal. That was his normal. That was that his was normal. normal. And then, so it translated into the normal of, okay, 544 miles. Well, I'm just going to keep going. And he yeah. said, he imagined that he was like chasing the sheep through a storm, you know, like that's what kept them going. Oh, how um, interesting. But I was like, what would happen if we looked at our life with Christ yeah. in the same manner of that the normal is it's going to be hard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I, I think of it in the joy and sorrow. I mean, you're talking about the sheep and, you know, I'm thinking about the farm where I'm volunteering with the horses and, you know, the first day I was at the farm, like, I was like, Oh my word, I'm not strong enough. I'm never going to be able to like walk all the way down, walk up, get the horses, walk back. I mean, it's very hilly. Right. And, and now you know, I still in my, in my countenance, I'd be like, Oh, I don't want to walk that far. If I go down, I have to come back, <laughs> you know? And yet in, in a day I could do 11,000 steps on the farm. And three years ago when I didn't have the farm and I was like writing on blinded faith, I would do 300 steps in a day. Right. Like, first off, that's scary and unhealthy right. <laughs> to, to not move that much. But that was like the nature of my life at that point. Right. And it's, it's over time that you build up that endurance of facing right. the terrain and building the muscle. And, and so when we walk through the storms of spiritual suffering, they're not in vain. Right. Because, you know, I heard a pastor's day years ago, this is about 10 years ago. He, he said that everyone is either in the middle of a trial about to come out, you know, coming out of a trial or about to go back into a trial, that there is no such thing as a life of no suffering. And that was right. such an aha moment for me because I had somebody who was more mature in her faith than me say to me that like my suffering was my childhood 
and the emotional and the physical abuse that I went through and the bullying that I went through and the betrayals I went through all that stuff. And that my adult life wasn't going to experience the same kind of trials and sufferings because I had already basically like filled my quota. And wouldn't that be nice? That was a lovely thought to cling to. And, And yet it also eased my guilt because she was in the middle of a major, major, major life trial at the time. Okay. And that was how she was finding her comfort uh, was that she felt like she had an idyllic childhood. And so now it was her, she was paying her dues. And the reality is it doesn't work that way. No, that, God's not about us paying dues. No, no, not at all. It's about Jesus suffered for us and he he is the example that we're following. And in Christ, we're going to find as much suffering as those who are not in Christ that I, I don't remember the reference of the passage. Stephen often quotes it to me when I'm like suffering with, you know, struggling with the unfairness of God mm-hmm. and the unfairness of life. And he says, you know, God lets the rain fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. Uh, and do you know what, what passage that is? Oh, I can't think of it, but I, I know it's when you're talking about, but I was just thinking, I mean, it's, we live in a sinful world. Why do we yeah. think, you know, when, when Adam and Eve at the fall and Jesus says to them, like, you're going to have hardships now toiling the earth and you're going yeah. to experience pain with childbirth. Like that was just two little examples of the bigger picture. Yeah. Everything is going to be harder. Yeah. Yeah. So I live the first 21 years of my life without Christ and suffered. And I've lived all these years since with Christ and with Christ, the suffering is different. Yeah, There is hope, there's perspective, there's the way to see, you know, jo- the Joseph story play right. out that, that God redeems and, mm-hmm. and for the purpose of saving many lives, there's uh, a sense of the Holy Spirit's presence and the power where there could be joy and sorrow at the same time. And, and pain and healing at the same time. And so in the moment I find, I find my habit in the moment of suffering. If it's, if it's the little irritants, I tend to question God and I tend to get mad at him. If it's the big things like a massive, a massive evidence of a trial, I tend to recognize that God's in the middle of that. I don't know why I have that Mm -hmm. habit but it's the little things that undermine my faith. The big things, it's like, well, Satan, you're too obvious on that one. You're not getting, <laughs> you're not getting my attention. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. But so, you're right though. And I think that's the thing is that, you know, some people are like, I'm going to give up on God. Well, life isn't easy without him. Like you're no. still going to experience all kinds of trials and suffering and things that go wrong during the day, whatever, whether it's big or small. Um, but with him, you know, there is, there's this hope and peace and comfort that happens. Um, and, and this whole idea though, about like the growth. And as you were talking about like the farm and, and not being able to walk that far and now you are, yeah, I think that's the whole thing. And that's why we talk so much about digging into the word, because the longer that we're in it, yeah. The more that it continues to carry us. Um, we, I was thinking back, like when I started um, cycling, Randy was like, come on, you need to ride with me. Like he'd gotten into big time, you know, biking. And, and I was like, no, no, no. I've, I, what, I rode a bike when I was a kid, you know? 
And then he borrowed a bike and I tried it and I hated it. Like, oh gosh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Like the bike was too big. So that was part of it. And I was like, oh my word, I'm so unsteady. Like I'm going to kill myself and I hate it. And my cousin though kept bugging me. Like they just wouldn't let up. And there was this group of, you know, friends that was biking together. And so they finally convinced me to try it again and get the right size bike and whatever. And I did, I slowly started to enjoy it. Yeah. But I kept, it'd be like, when's it going to get easy? Like I'd watch Randy, he'd just take off and he was further ahead of me and could go so much faster. And I was like, someday I'm going to hit this point where it's just easy. Yeah. Well, I finally, yes, came to the point. It's never easy, Yeah. but like my speed continued to improve and my distance and how far I could go. And then before I knew it, I was saying yes to a crazy plan to ride a hundred miles with my brother and Randy. And no, it wasn't easy, but like I was prepared for it because of all the other years that I was riding and the training that we did beforehand. And I think that's the thing. Like, are we, are we training? Are we preparing ourselves for life's trials by staying connected to God Mm. or are we trying to do things on our own? Yeah. That's so good. That's That's so good. I want to like Romans five is kind of like, I have it open this idea of, you know, this preparation, which leads us to this, which leads us to this. Yeah. um, Paul is talking in this passage. So looking at Romans five, uh, verse three Mm -hmm. through 11. Um, We can rejoice too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. That's just like an interesting. I mean, I know this passage, right? And I, I, n- there's no words in this that are unique. And yet every time I read it, it feels like the first time. Like we rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Like, do we, like, could we celebrate our problems and trials because we know that endurance is the outcome? Mm. Are are we, that is a cultural mindset shift. Oh, big time. And we at the farm uh, have, have faced more trials in the last four months than I, I, I mean, literally, it's like day after day after day after day. And so I was sharing with you before we got on that one one of the precious, beloved, favorite ponies um, passed away. Uh, cancer took his life. And it was pretty traumatic because mm-hmm. there was no evidence of the cancer. And he, he collapsed. And then, you know, the only way we found out that it was cancer was after he had passed with the biopsy. Right. Well, that was, he collapsed on Thursday, the he was, you know, passed on Friday, uh, Saturday, we're supposed to have a celebration, uh, volunteer appreciation celebration luncheon and a field trip mm-hmm. and, and a field trip to, it's called like, uh, eventing. So eventing is a combination of competitions that's, uh, cross country jumping and, uh, dressage. And we were oh, taking okay. a group of, you know, about a dozen kids to this mm-hmm. event. While we're at the event, one of our volunteers on the leadership team is back at the farm feeding the horses, and she texts us a picture that one of, one of the horse's legs was all cut up. Somehow he got caught in the fence. I mean, severely cut. 
So this is like three days, right? Yeah. So we get back to the farm and the vet has to come. So we're having this appreciation luncheon picnic. We've got all these kids. We've got this big, beautiful horse on cross ties with the vet having to like sew up his leg. <clears throat> and in the middle of it all, there was this piece. Mm -hmm. There was a piece of like, you know what? This is chaos. Mm -hmm. We're still going to live and celebrate life. We're still celebrating the birthdays today. We're still having the picnic because this is life, grief and sorrow and celebration at the same time. And all I could think of was like, I can't wait for like a decade from now to look back and see what God has done because so many of our girls that volunteer at the farm want to become vets and they got to watch this horse's leg and a vet in action. Right. Like my Caitlin was standing right there and, and does not like get squeamish at all. I mean, she probably would have been happy to bend over and do a stitch <laughs> or two. Uh, and I'm like, okay, so what the enemy intended for destruction and defeat right. and despair, God is going to use. We just don't know that we, we can't see it in there. Right. And so I wonder back to this verse, you know, the adults in this community are learning how to develop endurance to continue mm -hmm. serving, continue mentoring, continue caring for the herd under obstacle and, and trial. And yet is the joy knowing that this is not in vain. Right. Well, I mean, I think that's <clears throat> to me, this, the confident, which is the last piece, this confident hope of salvation. Yeah. Like ultimately it's our hope that that God's going to restore everything that's been lost yeah, and that everything will be made right one day when he comes yeah. and takes us to heaven. Yeah. And yet is there also though, when you were talking about like that, there's this, this hope of the good things that God will bring out of these trials. Yeah. You know um, the hope of what's going to happen here on this earth before we get to eternity. Yeah. The blessings that will come. Yeah. Because I had a pastor say to me at one point, he said, the promise of salvation is not only hope for eternity, Correct. but it's also hope for now. Yeah. We're not just saved for. Right. We're saved in. Yep. And, and that was like, oh, I never thought of it that way, that there really is this, you know, and, and Paul says here, and this hope will not lead to, to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us, man, which we need to be told over and over again, because mm -hmm. he has given us the Holy spirit to fill our hearts with his love. You want to continue on? Cause yeah. we're going to do through 11. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Yes. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. This is the, the last two verses I really want to focus on. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Mm. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Oh, I've always struggled with that. This friendship piece. What about it specifically? 
I don't know. Like it's even in this passage, I don't have it highlighted or underlined. I, I like, I don't know why I have a hard time thinking of God as my friend, as Jesus, as my friend. Hmm. And yet like we, the, the way that you were just describing just the community though at the farm and you and I were talking about like my community here with some of the people I work with at the boarding school and like how vital that is to kind of feeling like we can get through the trials. Yes. Yes. You yeah. know, if we, if we can tap into, because you're friends with the people you've developed friendships with the, oh, yeah, deep. the farm. I have friendships here with my coworkers and like you're in the trenches together then of yeah. like dealing with the emotional challenges of, you know, teens and, and working with people who are hurting. Yeah. And yet Jesus wants to step in as that, that friend that's in community and connection mm. with us. Man, that's just a beautiful picture to think of it. Like we, we do something at the farm when we first start any, any meeting or gathering or whatever mm -hmm. a program uh, we circle up and, and Shelly has us hold hands. Like, it's like, <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's your first day or your hundredth, you're holding somebody's hand. And it's right. funny because people are uncomfortable with that. Right. We hold hands and we drop hands and we go around and we introduce uh, ourselves and usually like some icebreaker. And so when you were saying, you know, like God is that part of that friendship community, he's like standing there with us in that circle. Mm -hmm. And that is a concept of God that blows my mind. Cause you know, we think, of, we think of God as King on the throne and we right. bow before him. Right. And yet to also think of him as, shoulder to shoulder mm -hmm. how does that change the way we see life and and do life with god i mean ultimately i think it just makes it more bearable yeah. i mean because like if i think about I mean, when I think about like our friendship and like going through life and, and knowing that I can call you at any point in time and share whatever struggle is happening, you don't take away my struggle. No, you don't fix it. But no. just the simple act of me sharing it relieves a sense of a burden off my shoulders. Yeah. And and that's what God wants to do with us too. Like this, this friendship aspect that, and, and this isn't the only passage. I mean, there's other, no. like John, uh, John 15 or 17. Yeah. It's like, I have called you friends. Yeah. Um, you know, this idea that like, he's wanting to do life with us, not because it's going to fix it. Right. Not because it's going to suddenly make it easy Right. To make it easier because we're doing it in partnership and in connection together. Yes. It supports the, the suffering. It doesn't remove the suffering. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. And that is true friendship. Mm -hmm. right? I can't take your pain away. You can't take my pain away. Uh, but we can certainly stand with each other in it and, and endure back to that word, endure together. Right. And, you know, I'm thinking about this other passage from, uh, I know we we're talking about the second Corinthians mm -hmm. four, four passage, 
and I, I think of, well, what are we enduring? And there's a whole stinking much of what we're enduring. Why right. can't I find it? Um, oh, there it is. Um, why can't I get to it? There we go. And you know, this is one of my favorite passages because mm -hmm. uh, uh, the, it's a theme passage for unblinded faith. Um, and so uh, verse, <laughs> verse eight, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under a constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. You want me to keep going? Yeah. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. As God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Mm. But the thing is, is about this whole like idea of never giving up and being renewed every day. Yeah. What are we renewing ourselves with? Yeah. Like, are we, yeah. are we renewing it by being in the word and by being in connection with other, um, you know, believers who support us and continue to point us back to Christ and uplift each other? Or are we turning to other things to try to fill that void and deal with the hard? I think that's so good, Kaylee, because that's where the, that's where the rub is. Like mm -hmm. when I do any of the Holy hole uh, coaching or when we do the Holy hole challenge and we're talking about like stewardship of our bodies, mm -hmm. our heart, mind, body, I mean, food addiction is a, is a real thing. Like when yeah. we, when we face suffering, are we, you know, as Wendy uh, speaks as, are we feasting on Jesus or are we feeding our pain? And I've heard woman after woman after woman confess what I discovered for myself, which is that uh, food is my comfort. Right. My number one comfort is food. And you know, the, the, the stress of like the loss that we've been through at the farm, like, mm -hmm. yeah, everybody wants to turn to food mm -hmm. or, or, or drink. Right. You know, yep. and that, that's the cultural norm, had a hard day, have a glass of wine. Yep. And, and, you know, I'm not saying that it's bad to have a glass of wine, but I am saying publicly, it is bad to have a glass of wine. If that's your source of comfort. Right. Right. You know, uh, do you need it for that? And, and that's been a hard habit for me to break and kind of stand against because it's so culturally normal. Right. Don't run to Jesus, run to a substitutionary God, because that God will show up better for you than the one true God. 
Well, it'll and, show up immediate gratification. That goes back to like yeah. what we started. Or the lie. That's the lie. Right, that, right. That, that, that substitutionary God will show up for you better than the one true God. That's the lie. But that's the, like, as we were talking about, you know, at the beginning of that, like, we've, you know, the easiness of yeah. buying stuff, ordering stuff, um, the fast food, everything is like yeah. the way it does become that immediate gratification of I'm hurting right now. So the yeah. glass of wine is going to numb it or the cigarettes going to take that away for at least, you know, 30 minutes or, yeah. or I'm just going to go shopping because at least I'm going to feel good right now when I buy that outfit that makes me look, yeah, you know, hot or yeah. it's going to be the, yes, turning to the food because that's comforting. And right now I want that cupcake. Yeah. So because we pray and that's immediate, but we don't always feel or, or get that, that reward right away. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. Cause even as you're saying that I'm thinking all like the self-care mantra, like go take a bath, go get your nails done, go do something that makes mm-hmm. you feel better. Go clean out a closet. And, and none of these things are bad things no. necessarily. Like, well, maybe a cigarette is a bad thing. It's not, it's not stewarding your body. It's right, hurting no. your body. But we, how, how easily we take a good thing and turn yes. it into a, a bad thing. And so my friend called me the other night at the, you know, the end of this really long day. And she's like, I'm just confessing to you right now. I want to go inhale a package of cookies and a tub of ice cream. I want to walk in the door and that's what I want to do. Right. And she said, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go to my office. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to grab a book mm-hmm. that has, you know, truth in it. And I'm going right. to do that instead. And I said, no, I don't think that's a good idea. And she's like, what? I'm like, I think you need to feel the feels. Like, right. I think you need to take the pain and go to the office and sit with Jesus mm-hmm. and cry. Right. And tell him how you're feeling. Cause that's what the psalmist did. Right. He cried verbally out to the Lord and said to God, the God of the universe, you have done this. You have allowed this. Yes. Right. And accusations, <laughs> clear accusations and cry out. And, you know, I would add to that piece of it. This was like a new, this was like a new way of thinking for me. I never mm-hmm. said this before. So I'm convinced it was the Holy Spirit speaking mm-hmm. not only to her, but also to me. Cry out to me first. Right. The pain and cry out to me first. Right. And I think I'm not like a big music person. Like I don't usually have music on when I'm doing something. Mm -hmm. I I realized the other day, partly because I I can be swept up into it Mm -hmm. very easily. And so I like to compartmentalize like my emotions sometimes, Uh but like put on a worship song that speaks the truth to your soul when you can't find it for yourself and sit with it and journal it and pray it. And then go into the word of God and then, yes. And then go take the bath and then go, or you know, clean the closet or then the go clean the closet, then call a friend and say, you know, would you sit with me while I have a drink and let's process this out and do this together. Uh, and, and so it's not that those things necessarily are a bad for mental health. I think they're good for mental health I at agree. some point. But what if we went to Jesus first? Well, that's what I was thinking as we were talking. Again, those things aren't bad, but we run to those things first. Yeah. Like what if, what would happen and how would it change how we cope with things if we went to Jesus first and then we supplemented 
with the other aspects. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think that not only that, but I think that in the times apart from the trials. So if we do have these, like this cycle of in, Mm -hmm. out and about to go back in, then what are we doing during the, when we're not in it? Like, are we studying the word of God? Right. Are we fortifying ourselves? Yeah. So that the, that's the discipline that develops the endurance. That's the showing up and and gaining the muscles and it's going to be painful and uncomfortable and awkward. Mm -hmm. When we, when I started riding again, it back, you know, a year ago, almost April, um, the the first day I was in the saddle, (laughs) I was like this jelly on top of this horse. And my husband's like, you're not going to be able to walk for three days. And he was right. I mean, like I was so, so, so sore. And now like I can canter around the ring right. at least two times without stopping and still walk the next day. Like, right. but it's taken months to develop that. If I stopped because it felt awkward and it didn't seem, it wasn't fun and it wasn't fulfilling. I didn't get the results I was hoping for then where would I be today? And the same is true with our Bible reading. Open your Bible, read a passage. Open your Bible tomorrow, read another passage. Yep. Open a Bible the next day, read another passage. Um, how are we staying connected with God? And what does it take, you know, to, to make sure that we are um, developing that friendship with him? Yeah. So I think in kind of closing here, I want to, I want to leave a challenge. Don't just like turn off this podcast and go about the next thing, but but take maybe five minutes and grab your phone. uh, If, if that's what you have handy or your journal, uh, if you have that and, and just sit with God and say, how can I cultivate a friendship with Mm -hmm. you and ask him for specific prompts of what does that look like? And, and maybe think of your best friendship, not your worst right. one, but your best friendship, the one that is like really special to you. It may not be a present friendship, but a past friendship. Mm-hmm. And, and what, what components were a part of that friendship? What did the time together look like? And, and ask God to give you a plan of what, yeah. what that could look like for you and him, because it's that friendship with him that is going to lead to that ability to endure mm-hmm. in the face of trials. Well, and one last thought, as you were talking about that, every friendship is unique. Yeah. Like, and I think, you know, we, we can very easily, and I'm, I'm not saying like, don't take an hour to spend time in the word, like that would be great. But like, you have to take into account who you are with God. I mean, I have a good friend who like, he literally gets, well, it's my coworker. He literally gets like the best sermon ideas or whatever when he's out biking or running. Yeah, sure. He's by himself, just time with God. And like, but that, you know, that works for their friendship. For me, I don't like, I enjoy riding, but like, I don't get these deep thoughts when I'm riding, you know, my friendship with God looks different. And, um, and I think each of us, approach it. Well, we have a good friend, Lori, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. friendship with God is so creative and it, it centers around like crafts and creative art kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so we had to figure out the way that, um, how we interact best because yeah. God wants to meet us in the way in our unique personality. 
That is so good and such a great place to end on. So would you mind closing us out in prayer today? That would just be really awesome. Yes. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you so much for this time together. And Lord, as we've talked and as we've uh, identified, like life isn't easy and we know that. And yet you call us to um, this relationship with you that makes it easier. And we're so grateful for that. And we just ask that you would continue to mold us and help us to develop endurance uh, so that we can run the race to the best of our ability. Um, May we lean into you and may we develop a deeper friendship and relationship with you because you're the only thing that sustains us and that keeps us going. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. You're welcome. Thank you for praying, Kaylee. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the More to Be podcast. We are praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during your time with us today. If you'd like to show your support for the ministry of More to Be and our podcast, we'd love for you to become a More to Be Sisterhood Circle member. You'll be blessed with our signature courses and resources while being a blessing to others. To learn more, visit moretobe.com slash podcast for a special link just for our listeners. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.